Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Off the Rails show on the OFD podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bowles, site manager at One Foot Down, and today I just kind of wanted to give a, a little bit uh, extra on uh, an article I just re- just published the, uh, yesterday about Notre Dame's position groups and just kind of where I had them ranked. Now, does this mean a whole lot? No, <laughs> not not really at all, uh, but it, it's something good to talk about before fall camp, and and as I said in the article, I... I uh, we really need to keep this in focus that this is pre fall camp. There are so many things that can change, uh, you know, small things in a lot of cases, but those small things can turn into big things and things like, I don't know, like remember back when Kavari Russell came in as a running back and he ended up being our starting quarterback, uh, as a freshman kind of things like that. You know what I mean? So I think Notre Dame is, uh, sitting in pretty good position, on almost every single position group, um, but there are some concerns. There are obviously moving forward, and uh, we're just, we're going to address some of that. But we're we're going to go down the line. I'm gonna, I'm going to give a, just a little bit, maybe a little bit extra explanation of of where and why I had uh, these position groups ranked, and and just kind of talk about about uh, give it a little grander scope is what I'm getting at. So we're going to get this started. At number nine, I had uh, you know kickers and punters. There, there is without question probably the biggest question mark going into the season right now is you know who's replacing uh, Tyler Newsom and Justin Yoon, and two of the most two of the steady you know the most steady <laughs> combo of punter kicker that we've had in a while, and 
you know, maybe they were taking for granted a little bit. Um, <clears throat> but as we, you know, as we saw with Justin Yoon last year when he get, got a little bit hurt and Jonathan Dorr had to come in, there's a lot, <laughs> a lot of, uh, a lot of tension. You know, you're just not sure. You know, you're used to seeing number 19 come out there and, you know, and knock in that 38 yarder, you know, without question. Uh, so, you know, as a whole, when you're looking at position groups and, and, you know, I, I try to keep it as general as possible, you know, just looking at your kicking situation, this is huge, you know, and, and that's to say that we have a true freshman uh, punter in Jay Bramblett. So, you know, one of the things, when you look at these close games that, that Notre Dame unfortunately seems to get into, and, and they usually, you know, last year it was, you know, early in the season, uh, but, you know, it comes down to some of these kicking game, you know, some of these, what happens in the kicking game. You know, can you nail that, you know, two, three field goals in a, in a close game, you know, to keep your team in it? You know, maybe, you know, maybe you get down, you know, like 17 nothing or 14 nothing. you know, and you, you got to edge, you know, kind of chip away with a couple of field goals, you know, before you get in. But you need to, you need to knock those in. Uh, and, you know, and on top of that, just straight up on the kickoffs. And we've had issue. We had issues with that as it was, you know, with poor kickoffs, whether it be, um, you know, going out of bounds and, you know, to a broader extent, you know, the kickoff coverage uh, obviously was, was not, uh, not what we looked at last year, but, you know, and then you start looking at your punter, you know, there's going to be time. I think that we're pretty well set that Notre Dame's offense is going to, uh, be pretty efficient this year, but there's going to be times that they're going to stall out. It's just, that's why you have a punter and, you know, that just, or, uh, excuse me, Tyler Newsom, you know, had a couple of games last year where he really helped. I mean, to a very direct effect helped Notre Dame win their football game. I think Vanderbilt was the one where he, he kicked that 65 yard punt, you know, flipped the field uh, completely to help Notre Dame, you know, win that game. That was, you know, a close game early in the season. Uh, Notre Dame really was not playing well offensively and they really needed that badly. And that's what they did. I, I believe Newsom got the game ball for that. So that's what you're losing. Uh, so we're just kind of, it, they're big question marks. It's the biggest question mark on the team right now is that kicker and punter. I think a lot of people, a lot of people that are looking at Notre Dame and, and predicting their season records are basing at least one loss, if not two loss, and kind of putting it a little bit on the kicking game because of what's so unknown, um, you know, moving into the season. So there's your number nine uh, unit. <laughs> the number eight unit, linebacker. And this is a very so we went from a complete unknown to another almost complete unknown in the sense that Notre Dame lost both Drew Tranquil and Tavon Coney to the NFL. So you got your two of your top three tacklers, you know, on the on the team. Uh, the number one tackler was Coney, uh, went uh, Gilman number two, and then Tranquil is number three. But you're losing, losing two of your top three tacklers on the team. By far your best leader on the team uh, in Drew Tranquil. And now, not only are you lose those two positions, but really it's like th- it's three brand new ones, right? Because now they want to move, they have not want to, they have moved Asmar Belial from Rover 
inside the mic. And, you know, that's not necessarily as a starter, although I believe, I, I think most of us believe that against Louisville, Bilal will be the starting Mike linebacker. We'll, we'll see how that works out. Uh, <clears throat> but that's why they're number eight. It's just a complete unknown. You got, you, you know, Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, Shane Simon, Jack Lamb, Jordan Genmark Heath. I mean, you have Drew White, who was, who many had pegged as, or not many, but I think the coaches had pegged as the starting Mike going into spring, you know, before he had to deal with an injury. Uh, then, you, you know, you got Paul Mawal out there at Rover, uh, who was coming along pretty nicely. I, I think Paul Mawala will be one of the bigger surprises um, from that recruiting class, uh, you know, as he enters his sophomore year. So there, there's a lot, lot of names there. And, you know, we saw, we, we saw, you know, a lot of that in, throughout the spring. And I, I just don't know. I, I cannot sit here and tell you uh, on June 21st, what the starting three linebackers Notre Dame will be against Louisville, nor or even moving forward. I mean, who's to say that that uh, who's starting against Louisville will you know be starting against Michigan? I, I you know I don't know, or even Georgia. So there's a lot of question marks there. There's a lot of talent, and they just they have to piece it together. Now I am, you know, at least encouraged that you know Clark Lee is coaching coaching the linebackers and defensive coordinator. So I have you know some some confidence in what he does and and how he does it moving forward, but there's just no question that there's going to be a huge drop off uh, from what Notre Dame had last last season. So how big of a drop off that is is really going to determine how well they do. There's going to be some. How much it is determines how well you do. It's it's a lot like um, in a lot of ways it's a lot like the offensive line. Last year, after losing Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson, and then you come into the season, you know there's gonna there's no way you're not gonna drop off. You're, you know you were the best, literally the best offensive line in college football in 2017. There's gonna be some drop off that next season. How much of which, you know, can deter help determine how well your season did? Notre Dame ended up going 12 and 0 throughout the regular season, but when facing Clemson, you know they. They had a little issues, but we'll get to the offensive line here <laughs> later. I'm getting off track, but I, in a lot of ways, I think the linebacker situation will be like what the offensive line was. A lot of question marks, and it's going to really, you know, depend on what happens in fall camp, and we'll see who the cream rises to the to the top, right? So we'll just have to see what happens, you know, with that situation. So then at number seven, we got cornerback now. This is a, a in a lot in a lot of the same sense, you know, like linebacker, you know, you lost Julian Love, your best corner. We saw what happened in the Cotton Bowl when uh, when Julian Love went out. What happened? And now I have them, so I have them at seventh, and it, and I'm comfortable in putting them there. But at the same time, I really feel like this is a much better unit than <laughs> than. Then I'm putting them at seventh. I, yeah, the potential is there to be much greater. Um, there was some issues with Houston Griffith taking over for Julian Love at corner throughout the spring. There, he just, you know, he he had some struggles. It was, you know, widely reported on uh, that he had some struggles. He he didn't look all that great in the spring game. Uh, in fact, you know, Timoto Pagoro, who's a walk on, had 
a pretty nice spring and had a nice spring game. I mean, he, everyone was like, who's number 26? Who's number 26? And, you know, he could be, you know, could end up being uh, a larger part of what's going on than, than what anyone figured, you know, heading in before spring. Now, having said that, there's also some other options there. Look, Dante Vaughn should should be back and healthy come fall camp. And I really feel, you know, Dante Vaughn had kind of got railroaded a little bit uh, by fans and, and maybe a little bit by the media from the Cotton Bowl. And I've said it many times, like, look, his coverage in the Cotton Bowl, dude was hip on hip. He was in position to make plays. When you have an injury like he had with his shoulder, it was like a torn labrum, whatever. It's hard to really <laughs> any position's hard, but getting your hands up in coverage and doing you know doing certain things you know technique wise, you know was difficult. Plus, he was thrown thrown in from the cold. I mean, I, I doubt anyone was expecting that to happen. I mean, you you're supposed to expect it, right? But come on, it just kind of just kind of happened like that. But I, I have I have a undying faith in Dante Vaughn that I don't think anybody else has. So I, I understand if, if people would disagree with me on that. I, I honestly think that he could he could come in and fall and take over as the starting corner opposite of Troy Pride. And that you know, Troy Pride on the on the field side, you know, he's a pretty damn good corner. He had a good season last year. He has progressed nicely since his freshman year. You know, that that class of you know, Vaughn and pride and love, you know, all these three-star guys at corner have seemingly to me panned out pretty well. Um, and that's just the kind of a, what we're looking at this in the 2019 recruiting class. You, know, you can keep that in mind, but there's just, there's just no doubt. There's some question marks there. Now I threw kind of nickel in with the cornerback situation and look, if Sean Crawford's healthy, at least as healthy as he can be, I believe that he can be a quality, quality nickelback. He's been the best nickelback on the team since he arrived as a freshman. And we only got, you know, a little bit of play out of him because of so many injuries. But, you know, Houston Griffith did play that last year, and it was a struggle. As a true freshman, you know, he kind of had a little bit of a struggle. So, and we'll get into a little bit of the nickel later um, when we talk about the safeties as well, but, you know, there's some guys there that can play. I, I don't <laughs> as much as you know. Avery Davis probably is the junior jabby um, uh, of the team right now, just in the sense that he was talked about so much in spring practice. You know, basically was a starting nickel, <clears throat> and that's just most likely not going to be the case uh, moving into the season. Uh, how much Avery Davis develops and turns into uh, a quality defensive back remains to be seen. Um, but I, I just feel that because there's see, there still seems to be a giant question mark on one side, it's that you, you really can't rank this position group much higher um, than where I have them at. Uh, I, I like Troy Pride Jr. a lot. I mean, I really, really do. Um, you know, if Julian Love comes back, you know, if Julian Love's playing this year, this position group shoots probably all the way up, you know, in the, in the top two or three on the team. I mean, it would be that solid, but that's not the case, obviously. And so we're just kind of going with what we got. And when there's a huge question mark on one side, and, and that's not just to say about talent level, even that's just 
you know, who's it going to be? That doesn't really seem like to me that anything's solidified. You know, Houston Griffith may have been the starter on that side the whole all of spring, but I still have doubts and I still think that that spot could be overtaken by like a, a guy like Dante Vaughn. I don't believe Sean Crawford, you know, unless they go and, and they did a lot in the, in the spring game and, and uh, uh, Greg Flamong and, and when we had him on the podcast from UHND, we, we talked about this a lot about, you know, in the spring game itself, they played a lot of left-right corner. It, it wasn't field boundary. It was, it was mostly left-right. So I guess in a, if you did that, you know, you could – maybe that works out a little bit more. But I, Crawford will will mostly play nickel. Uh, I can't – I don't see him playing, you know, just as a straight-up cornerback uh, throughout the season. So moving on from there, number six group, uh, running back. And I, I kind of feel that it, <laughs> Notre Dame loses a lot in Dexter Williams. But going into the season, it, it's basically, to me, it's the same as it was going into last year. Uh, you know, we knew Dexter Williams was not going to play in the first four games. And so what you have was Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones Jr. And I think... In a, in a lot of ways, you know, they played very well, uh, you know, you know, in those games. And Jafar, I, I thought, you know, had a, had a nice little season. It was his first year as a running back. It, unfortunately, he was just not able to stay completely healthy. And that's been, you know, that's just an issue. Can he stay healthy this year? Because right now, heading into the season, you know, there is no, here comes a, you know, a popper, you know, in the fifth game of the season to help out, you know, Jafar looks to be the main man all the way through going forward, you know, behind him, Tony Jones Jr. And, you know, maybe to, you know, I don't think it surprises anybody, but, you know, slightly, Jameer Smith probably has solidified himself as, as the third running back. Now, we still have fall camp and Kyron Williams I think was a name that I think a lot of people almost expected him to be up, you know, kind of creep up into that third spot maybe a little bit. But, you know, Jameer really had a nice spring and he's playing, plays well. He was an early enrollee. So that, you know, that was his second spring as he goes into a sophomore year here. So that's really where we're setting that now. Yeah. There's Sebo Flemister and there, you know, as well, but, how much? How many carries they get? That that most likely turns out to be. I won't almost say junk carries, but that's going to be later in the game, right? Like we're up three touchdowns, going to bring you know Kyron and Sebo in, you know, get some carries, get get some action. But I think they have a lot there. I, I like Tony Jones Jr. a lot. If he, you know, keeps his weight down just a wee bit, uh, runs with that power and runs through some pain. I mean. He was one of the guys, you know, back in 2017, you know, him and Dexter both, you know, had some, had some issues and it was alluded to that basically they just weren't playing through injury, playing through pain a little bit. So can he do that? Um, Cause you know, Tony can play, catches the ball well, blocks well, you know, can run hard. We saw that like against Vanderbilt, we saw, you know, a very determined Tony Jones Jr. You know, running the football and, you know, that's good to see. That's that that's what you want to see. So, you know, and one of your last impressions of Tony Jones Jr. was 
catching a fifth, you know, taking a ball 50 yards basically to help us win the game against USC on the road in the last game of the season. So I like that a lot. I like the group a lot. I like Jafar Armstrong quite a bit. There's just not going to be that explosive pop that we that we got, uh, you know, with Dexter Williams. But so be it. I mean, there, there's a lot of other ways to get some explosive plays, and you know, maybe Jafar hat still, you know, you still be able to get those. And it, it, it might come against some other competition, but you know, it wasn't like Dexter was popping off, you know, seventy yard runs against. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking because <laughs> he, he had that pop. But I, I like the running back group a lot. I, I do. I just think there's some question marks there with with health and, and working around that. And so now we're really moving into, you know, I, I could have positioned these numbers in a lot of different ways, but it, it just this, these are where I, you know, had them ended up. So at number five, wide receiver slash tight end. You know, you put that, the whole that whole group together. So you lose Miles Boykin, you lose Alize Mack, but they have, there's so much coming back and there's so much talent coming back that I just don't see any way that this group doesn't really uh, excel. Um, Chase Claypool moves over to the to the W where and that's where Miles Boykin was playing at. My uh, Michael Young will take over there over at the X. Chris Finke stays in a slot, and I like that group quite a bit. I mean, I that Michael Young gives you a lot of speed. Chris Finke gives you a lot of speed, and who is just one of the most underrated players in the country. And you know, behind them, you, you have all those you know all those sophomores: Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsey, Lawrence Keys, and Joe Wilkins. I think Joe Wilkins is a name that that we'll get to know better um, this season quite a bit. Because uh, it's a name that kept getting brought up by the coaches, and you know, it just as a freshman, just didn't happen, you know, right away. And that's fine. That's I mean, you're a freshman; it's going to happen. But I, I believe, you know, with those four guys, there's a lot to offer there. Um, a lot of speed, a lot of talent. You know, how much do they come into the rotation? I don't know. But at least you know, when they come in, there's not a huge drop. There's not a drop off in athleticism, right? There, it's a, it's a lot, and with Kevin Austin especially. Now we don't know the situation exactly with Kevin Austin. Many, you know, many don't think that it's the same kind of deal as what Dexter Williams had. We're not really looking at like a four game, uh, silent double secret probation suspension. But there's something there, right? It, something doesn't seem right. He may not be. Maybe he's not able to go for the first couple of games. I don't know. Uh, but there's just a huge question mark about playing time right there with him. But overall, as for the wide receivers, I, I just think they're, st- they're stacked. They're in a good position, and they seem to have you know excellent rapport with, with Ian Booker quarterback, so I'm good to go. And at tight end, I think we all are in love with Cole Komet at this point. And I think we were all a little bit disappointed with Alizé Mack's career. So I don't think there's – I think many of us, and myself included, believe that – I think we all believe that Cole Komet steps into those shoes and does just fine, excels even at, uh, you know, as the quote-unquote starting tight end. And then right behind him, Brock Wright. I I, I am very comfortable, and Brock Wright has, has lost some weight, looks a lot more athletic than he, than last year. And we, uh, we used him as, you know, kind of like a fullback 
in a lot of, a lot of ways. And, you know, so I, I like what we have there. Tommy Tremble as, as a third tight end option. I, I like like his athleticism. I like the different things they can do with him, almost like a flex. And we're, that's just going to be a – Tommy Tremble's a, a guy that we're going to have to be like a wait and see what they do exactly with him. Maybe they use him a lot like Brock Wright last year where they put him in the backfield, um, you know, as a full fullback in a sense, uh, <laughs> which helps me out because it gives me a bigger – you know, bigger chest puffing up with a fullback. Brock being back there with number 89 was, didn't feel quite feel the same. Uh, and I know it sounds stupid, but uh, but welcome to my world. So anyways, I, I'm number the, as, as the number five group, I could have had them. I almost had them rated a little higher. Like I almost moved them up to four, um, even thought about three, uh, but slot them in at five and kind of see where that's at. So then at number four, we have the offensive line. And as I said earlier, there was going to be a step back in 2018 from 2017 because you lost McGlinchey and Nelson. Unfortunately, a guy like Alex Bars, who was just having an incredible season at, you know, at left guard, cut short uh, in the Stanford game, and then he's out for the season. And, it, it really was sad for Bars because he was really playing good football. I mean, he was really out there just beating the shit out of guys. And y- y- you love seeing that, right? He he was getting his opportunity. He was making the most of it. And then it was just so tragic that he, you know, that he went down like that. And now and then, then he lost his, a lot of his draft stock because he wasn't drafted. But, you know, stick, <laughs> stick in a point here. I thought the unit itself did okay. They, I think they were rated a lot higher, or people thought of them a lot more than what they actually did last season. They, they had a lot of issues. And that's, look, like I said, that's going to happen. But there's so much coming back. They, they, it wasn't like they were bad. I mean, this was a good offensive line. They just weren't great. And I, I think we're, that we're you know, trying to always have greatness out of those offensive line, and that, sh- that should be the case. But, look, it's not always going to happen. Last year was a situation where it wasn't always there for them. But, you know, you return Liam Eikenberg at left tackle. Uh, you Aaron Banks, who took over for, for bars at left guard. Uh, at, you know, right guard Tommy Kramer, who, you know, was replaced by Trevor Rowland, you know, a few times during the season, but has seemingly, you know, gotten himself a lot better and looks to be the right guard every down moving forward. And then uh, Robert Hainsey out there at right tackle. Now you replace Sam Mustafer with Jarrett Patterson, who was a freshman last year. And Patterson, to my knowledge, had never played center before. But I just, Mustafer was such an enigma in a way. Because he, it looked like he had lost so much from the, he took a step or two back from 2017. Maybe that's because, you know, Quentin Nelson wasn't playing next to him. Maybe there was some, you know, some things that were made up for there uh, that weren't able to be, you know, made up for in 2018. I don't know. But, you know, I know that he was, you know, on the Remington watch list, finalist, and, you know, All-American and all that. And there was a reason why he didn't get invited to the Combine and or drafted or, you know, I, 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 can't, even, I can't even tell you where he, end, where he ended up as a free agent, you know, or if he's going to stick. But there was just some issues there, you know. And I like Sam a lot, but 
it looked like there were some issues. So Jared Patterson coming in, who's considerably larger than Sam Musfer. I mean, we're, at least by you know two or three inches, he's a bigger guy. There's going to be a, a more physical presence in the center of the offensive line, and I like that a lot. Um, can he snap? Can he snap it back? <laughs> Just snap and get up. That's what you're looking for. I like this unit a lot. So many, there's, there's just too many returning, you know, starters and, you know, too much talent there. I, I mean, Liam Eichenberg is just a monster out there at left tackle. I think he can, and he seems to have got, he's moving around pretty good. He, lo- he looked better in the spring, I thought, as far as some of his, ath- you know, some of the athleticism that you have to use in pass co- coverage um, or pass blocking. And you know, Robert Hainsey, who's a natural leader, could end up being a captain on the team. I, I like a lot of what they got. Josh Lug coming off the bench as one of those first first guys out, I like a lot. And you know, some of the youngsters, we, we're just going to have to see if they're going to use them or how much they're going to use them, you know, like, a, like a Cole Mabry or something like that. But, um, you know, and, and I think a lot of it, we're, we're going to have to find out what's going to happen with Trevor Rowland. I think there's, you know, a good chance that he gets – He'll be out on a medical um, only because there have been so many injuries and Kelly had mentioned it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying there is a decent chance that it does happen. And so you kind of lose your, you know, your utility guy that you were leaning on um, last year. I think Josh Lug probably works into that role. Now say like, you know, say Liam Eikenberg goes down. I think the, the plan is that that kicks banks out to left tackle. Josh Lug moves into the guard guard spot. Stuff like that. I just, I just like this group a lot. I think they're extremely physical. I like the experience that they have. And I think that what Notre Dame wants to do um, offensively, these guys all all line up, you know, to help them do that. So moving on to the number three group and quarterback. And look, I, I could have placed this group in a lot of different ways and and given a, and used different reasoning for, for such. Put him at number three because I look. I really like Ian Book a lot. I do have some concerns still with Ian Book's uh, down the field throwing. I, I think we all do. Um, I was really looking forward to seeing more, or at least you know, working on it more in the spring game, uh, and that wasn't the case. And maybe that's something that they, Notre Dame just didn't want to do in the spring game to make it so public. I don't, I don't know, but. They really need to, for this offense to to really click and get those explosive plays and to loosen up the middle of the field. I really feel that they need more downfield pass. I mean, I think we all do. That you know, we need to throw the deep ball better. Um, Ian Book is extremely accurate, but once it gets past you know twenty twenty five yards, that's a whole different story. And there were some wide open guy, and it had less to do with arm strength, and had to do, and a lot of it had to do with down the field accuracy, which was which for as qu- a quarterback who's as accurate as Ian Book, it's kind of a head-scratcher. Um, but that that's the deal. And then, you know, what's behind Book? Well, Phil Jerkovic, you know, he, who's got nothing but mop-up duty, and then a true freshman in Brendan Clark. So I'm not exactly sure. You know, I, I like I, The number three ranking is based solely off of Ian Book. And had there been you know, a little bit more from Phil that we saw last year, or if we had seen a little bit better spring from Phil, then may- maybe I, w- I would want to move this up to the number two spot. I don't know. But I that's how much I like Ian Book moving forward. I, I think 
for him to run the offense the way that we want with him, you know, accurately putting the ball into the receiver's hands, 15 yards here or there, you know, and putting those guys in a position where they can make a play as well. I like all that. And I think he runs the offense just fine. And I like the way that he runs the ball. I like the way that he runs the, the read option. I don't want him taking as many shots this year. I, I think we really can't, you know, last year, him going out, you know, he got hurt against Northwestern. Uh, but him going out and Brandon Wimbush having to come in, that, that's fine. But this year might be a little bit different story. So you're looking for a little bit more body protection from him. Uh, but at the same time, you, you want to use the, him in the running game, right? Because he's he is a threat and he does well. I mean, speaking of that Northwestern game where he, where he did get hurt with a broken rib or whatever it was, you know, Towards the end of the game, that was Ian Book streaking down the sidelines there for for that touchdown on just a beautiful fake. So, you know, that's where it's at. (laughs) Quickly moving on here, number two, defensive line. You lose Jerry Tillery. And one guy out of four positions that, you know, you would would think it would be a huge drop-off, but... Jerry Tillery was a huge man, and he was a great player um, and had a fantastic season last year, and and that was um, proven with a first-round draft pick. I mean, Jerry Tillery was pretty unstoppable at times and did a lot of things for you from from the three technique at defensive tackle. So that's a big loss. Now, on the edge, we're set, right? Like, I I think if I just – if I even broke it down to, like, defensive ends and offensive tackles and and all that. I think your defensive ends would be if you just took them as a as that position group as rather as the line, that's your number one unit in all in on the team, I mean hands down. Because not only are your starters so good, but you're so damn deep. I mean Julian Aquara and Dalen Hayes are you know as a one two punch at the drop and Khalid Kareem and Ade Ogundeji as the one-two punch, you know, over on the, on the strong side, that's pretty damn good as it is. And then you're still rolling with, you know, like Justin Admiola, who was very productive coming in last year. You know, that's your third teamer over there. Ovia Gofu, who a lot of people that, uh, that follow the program like a lot, that I know the team or the coaches like him a lot. You know, we'll be the third guy over there on the drop. And, you know, you still have Jameer Jones. And Jameer Jones, uh, you know, they're going to try to – they're going to use him. They're going to play him for a red shirt for next year. Uh, so that way when you when you lose Julian Aquara, Dalen Hayes, and Khalid Kareem after this year, you know, at least you still have Jameer Jones coming back as, instead of all four of those guys gone. And so – and which I – I could do another whole podcast just on that situation alone, which I think, you know, is actually pretty brilliant uh, if it works out. Um, so we're stacked. At de- Notre Dame is just stacked at defensive end. And, you know, they all all had good seasons last year. I think that, they, you know, they're going to have a lot, a lot of opportunities this year to really shine. And they're going to need them to. I mean, I just think that situation at linebacker is just too, too explosive that, they're going to have to shine. Now inside, you know, with losing Tillery, you know, you're losing a lot. But I, but I really do believe that Kurt Heinisch and 
and MTA, Myron Tagovailoa Mosa. I think those guys give you a lot. I like Jason Admiola a lot. Again, like much like his twin brother Justin was very productive when the opportunities came up that he got it. A lot of people like Jason Jacob Lacey in their defensive tackle. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of good parts there. You know, it's just it's not Jerry Tillery's senior year parts is all right. Well, I, I think that they can. I think they they can. Come through with that. I mean, I, I really like Kurt Heinisch a lot. I think he's extremely productive um, just from a, a body. Man, the guy's so physical inside. I just really like what he does. And I, I think, you know, MTA coming back, you know, from an injury, if he you know stays healthy, can be a lot, can be pretty disruptive in the ways that Jerry Tillery was. Uh, but, you know, they're he's not the same body type exactly as what Jerry Tillery was. So it won't be the exact same, but I think he just gives you a lot there. I like the group a lot. I like the group because those defensive ends are just incredible. Now you can do things too. Like, you know, when they go in the nickel, you know, they can move Khalid Kareem inside. So you got Julian Aquara, Dalen Hayes and Khalid Kareem, you know, all out there, you know, like with a, with Kurt Heinish. I like that. I like that. That, that. I think, they will use the best players available in the situations. And when you're taking a guy like like Kareem and and kind of putting him over at, you know, using him as a three technique in the nickel and and they look, they did that last year. So works for me, (laughs) but I I like this group a lot. I just think this is some of the best defensive end play that will, that we have seen at Notre Dame and a long, long time. And, you know, I think they're going to be the difference in a lot of games. And finally, number one, and it should be, I don't think it's too much of a surprise, safety. I mean, what can we say about Alohi Gilman and Jalen Elliott's seasons last year that hasn't already been said? Both were incredible. And moving forward into the 2019 season, both those guys are candidates for, you know, to be captains. You know, both those guys are pretty damn good leaders. And, we, you know, we brought Carter Carls on the podcast uh, last week, and he just said he thinks Jalen Elliott is probably, you know, the number one leader on this team. And, and I, you can see it. You can see all the, the footage that comes out and, and all this. You can see it. And it's just amazing. You know, the, I've written several articles on it, but the turnaround from what Jalen Elliott was as a freshman to where he is now is just, it's just so huge. It's just such a great story of development. And Terry Joseph deserves a lot of credit for, for that. I just think that they are so set back there with this. Notre Dame has not had a safety combo like that. Well, since last year, Uh, but you know, coming back even, it's just, it's an, it's an incredible set of safeties. Now, Depth is an issue, though, here, right? <clears throat> but because their starters are just so good, that gives them their number one ranking. But there's, you know, what's behind them, we don't know. You know, I like Derek Allen probably more than a lot of other people, but I, you don't know what his impression on the coaches is going to be in practice to get him out in the game. They're going, they're going to want to use a little bit of rotation this year to kind of save the wear and tear on Gilman and, and uh, Elliot. So, but you have a five-star safety coming in at Kyle Hamilton. And so when we were talking about the nickel, there is a, there is a scenario moving forward that 
you could move Jalen Elliott up to the nickel and put Kyle Hamilton back there at safety and to give you, you know, your your best guys out there kind of situation. I think that could happen. I think they could just kind of rotate Hamilton in just a little bit to, to get him some playing time. But outside of that, you know, does DJ Brown get some meaningful minutes this year at you know at safety? I you know, I don't know. Um so we're we're just that's gonna be kind of like a wait and see approach from what's behind them, but because of what they're bringing back, you know, up, you know, as their starters, that's why they get the number one ranking. Alohi Gilman was the number one rated safety in the country last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Jill and Elliott led the team interceptions. This is just this is a quality unit. Uh, this is an ex- excellent excellent safety unit coming back for Notre Dame. So I'm going to wrap it up there. That That's how I had it. Just going back down, number nine, kicker, punter, number eight, linebacker, number seven, cornerback, number six, running back, number five, receiver, tight end, number four, offensive line, number three, quarterback, number two, defensive line, number one, safety. And that's where we're going to end it. So thanks again for listening and, uh, you know, check out the site. We'll, we'll have some different stuff up all, you know, throughout the weekend and, you know, next week we'll, we'll come back. We're, we're taking a little bit of break from the OFT podcast this week um, just because of summer and scheduling. And uh, it was a little too difficult to, to manage this week. And but that's OK. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully this kind of give you a little bit to, to muddle on to. And then we'll have a, a lot more for you uh, next week. So thanks again and go Irish. <laughs>